Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. This is Kim with Black Free Thinkers, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. And I'll say that one more time. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. So it's been a while, guys. It's life, you know, life. And so it's just been a lot going on in my life and, you know, focusing on some other things that took priority, that still take priority, but it's kind of eased up a little bit more for me. But, you know, this young man by the name of Marcus Stennis, he wrote a book. And it made its debut on July 20, I'm sorry, June 28th. And I'm like, I got to get him on the show. I got to get him on the show. We got to talk about this. But before we go into it, you know, I wanted to, you know, let you guys know how much I missed you. And I really did. I really did miss you. I missed doing the show. You know, hopefully my focus is back. And, you know, I'll be able to dedicate the time to do the research and, and the time to do the show and uh, make, you know, make some changes this year. You know, there's a lot of good things that are happening in my life right now. And, you know, it's, it's much better. You know, as you grow older, you start to learn the things that aren't really as important as you thought they were. You know, you start prioritizing things a little bit different. And so, you know, you learn, you grow, you change. And if you're not changing, then you're not growing, which means you're not living. You know, and change is scary. Trust me, I know. And, you know, it's uncomfortable. It's so funny because the young man that we're going to be talking to in a minute you know, we would have private conversations, and one time, you know, he told me that he thought I was brave, and I was like, wow, you know, that's that's a compliment, you know, and what I never got a chance to say to him and, you know, to some others is being brave can sometimes be very uncomfortable, you know, it really can. And with someone like me that's just a tad bit outspoken and opinionated, you know, sometimes, you know, it, it puts you in a position whereas you either have to stand your ground or you have to flee. And my mama didn't raise no chicken. And so, you know, it's just, it's, it's just interesting. You know, when I retrospect on my life and see where I came from to where I am now and how these trans transitions took place. And, you know, again, when you're when you're growing like this and you're making those transitions, there's a price to be paid. There's always a price to be paid. And if anybody tells you otherwise, they are lying to you. And so, you know, I just said all of that to say this, you know, I want to encourage you guys, keep, you know, keep forcing yourself out of your comfort zone. It's only going to benefit you in the long run, you know, and, and, and it'll help you to grow and develop as a person. You have a lot of people walking around. You have a lot of personalities, but not all those personalities have character and integrity, 
And those are the things that, you know, you want to try to keep your focus on. And those are the things that you want to keep because at the end of the day, the only thing you really will have left is your name and your integrity and your word. And so I'm just going to move on from that, but I just want to encourage you guys, you know, stay encouraged. There's been a lot going on in these streets, you know, um, the cop was acquitted with the Philando Castile. There's a number of people that have been killed by state-sanctioned violence, whether it's from the police taking them out. And even when you have, um, you know, um, crime that happens in your neighborhoods, in many cases is due to economic oppression, is due to educational oppression. All of that is part of state violence. And I know I've talked about that on this show, and it's a very simplistic way that I'm bringing it across right now to a very complex, you know, situation and problem. And so what's so interesting is sometimes when I go out and I talk to people, and especially if they're Caucasian, you know, they'll bring up that old trope of what about black-on-black crime. And so you all know how I feel about that. You know, that is a myth. And what's so interesting is they want to talk about the crime or the gun violence in communities of color, but yet they don't want to address issues such as poverty because more people of color, 10 times there are people living in poverty, 10 times poverty is killing them at 10 times the rate than gun violence. So, you know, they want to talk about fast death, but they don't want to talk about a slow death in which you're bleeding out, in which you're wallowing, in which you're being forced to look at these things and to live in it and to not understand what's happening. And in order for us to really address, you know, um, intracommunal violence, we have to address these other issues. And so what's so interesting is you'll have people pointing at Chicago and talk about the gun violence here. And, you know, that's been ratcheted up over the years, but the main reason for that is because Barack Obama was from Chicago and a lot of white people hated him, and some black ones too. And so if you go and you look at some of the studies that are out there, it'll show that Chicago is like the 18th or 19th deadliest city. I mean, we're still in the top 20, but we ain't number one. <laughs> you know, and, but again, like I said, we need to address the underlying issues. We need to address the underlying problems, and we need to find a way to address it. And so, you know, you all know me. I sit back and I write and I doodle and I, I you know, I contemplate over shit, and, you know, I got an idea for a new project, which I'm not going to talk about on the show, not until I get the project well established, because it's been my experience that, you know, people take my ideas and try to run with it, and because they don't fully understand the concepts, when it fails on them, then they're mad. How are you going to be mad at me for something you tried to steal? and you didn't understand. So anyway, let's move on. But, um, yeah, you know, I posted an article on my page, and it was talking about the KKK and how they had started a branch just for women in the 1920s. And they had over a half million women, 
you know, that was part of the women KKK, and it even had a feminist narrative. So go and you read that, because one of the comments I made was 53% of white women voted for Trump. You know, and there are some people that get upset because of where I stand on a lot of these issues. However, you know, there is a premise. You know, there is a history, you know, to all of this. And it's really important because, see, people forget. And that's the thing. Many people of color, we've been trained to forget these things. If not forget it, forgive them. But we don't have that kind of time anymore. We really don't. And so you, some of you all have heard me talking about allies and, you know, whiteness studies. And, you know, I'm always ragging on Rachel Dolezal and sometimes Tim Wise and a number of other people. But specifically when I talk about liberal progressive so-called allies, I'm really hard on them. And I should be. Because, see, this is nothing new. If you go back and you look at what Martin Luther King had to say, what James Baldwin had to say, W.E.B. Du Bois, and a number of other notable, you know, black intellectuals, they, you know, they, they talk about these white allies and how they hold us back. So I posted an article on my wall last night, and it's from James Baldwin. It's in the New York Times, and it says Negroes are anti-Semitic because they're anti-white. Don't necessarily focus on the title. Read that article, and you will walk away with some more knowledge as to why sometimes, you know, we we press these so-called allies. And just because they call themselves an ally, that doesn't mean that they're a true ally because you have so many self-serving opportunists out here you know, you just got to be careful. I mean, there's some people, some so-called allies, they only post pictures of themselves wearing Black Lives Matter T-shirts or some some type of, you know, black or Latino grassroots, you know, movement T-shirt. And what's so interesting is when they work for other larger mainstream organizations, you didn't hear a fucking peep out of them about black people or Latino people, or anybody's fucking life mattering besides their own. So, you know, it's so interesting because um, I don't forget, and I don't forget shit. And I put another article on my wall, and it's talking about how the church failed my mother's mental health. And this is a Huffington Post article. And, you know, I post a lot of articles about black mental health, and specifically some of the ones that are revolving around religion and how you have pastors out here who are now standing up and saying that they are not going to pray black pain away. That is progress, people. So, you know, slowly but surely, you know, people are starting to take these particular issues seriously. And trying to address it, there are a few churches in Chicago, whereas the pastors encourage his members, you know, to go and get mental health checkups. You know, the only caveat I have is that with some of these churches, they also see it as a money-making venture. So you'll have their, you know, life coaches and whatever other type of titles they give them from, you know, some type of theology school or mail-order theology school. So you have to be real careful with that and make sure that the person has the correct credentials. Because sometimes when you go and you see some of these people, 
you come out even more messed up than what you went in there, you know. So just be careful, be cautious, ask questions. You have a right to ask questions. And if somebody is, um, you know, telling you that you do not have the right to ask questions, then you need to get far away from them. So, you know, it's just as important, you know, for you to be able to live this life, because you only get one, but be able to live this life fully, you know, and, and you go out here and enjoy your damn life. You know, that's extremely important to me. And so, you know, I want to say one more thing. Jay-Z just released an album, right? So I'm seeing, you know, a few think pieces I hear. I have not listened to one word of the album because I want to enjoy it, you know, probably while I'm having a good meal. So I probably won't get to it until Tuesday or Wednesday. But, you know, what's interesting is, you know, Jay-Z's 44 now, and in the way that I interpret it, some of the think pieces, you know, basically I guess he's just finally discovering and figuring out who he is. And so some of the, you know, like Twitter you know, people out there, they were, you know, having their say. But what was really interesting was some of the black women were saying that black women do not have the luxury of not discovering themselves, you know, by the, you know, when they turn 50. So I just thought that was really, really interesting. And, again, you know, Jay-Z is an entrepreneur, and a lot of people hail him for that. You know, he's most definitely a capitalist. So, you know, I try to balance these types of things out. So I'm just going to throw a couple of names out here that you all can go and read on your own. And, you know, it talks about black capitalism, but it's from, you know, a different perspective. And the reason why I'm going to throw these out here is because I want you all to have balance. If you're only listening to and reading information that you agree with, that's called confirmation bias. And it's not necessarily, you know, um, healthy because it's like, you know, you end up, you know, like in an echo chamber because you're only hearing what you like. You're only hearing what you want to hear. And that's not how you do things, especially if you're trying to interact and engage other people. It's hard to engage other people when you have no clue where they're coming from. And so, you know, let me tell you some um black capitalism things here. So there's an article, you can find it on the University of Pennsylvania Press, and it's called Slavery's Capitalism, A New History of American Economic Development. And it's about 416 pages. So yeah, you know, but you know, if you go and you look for it, you can find the abstract for it. And you can also find it on Google Books. You won't be able to read the entire book, but snippets here and there which can kind of give you an idea. And so there's an article on Radical Philosophy's website. The title of the article is The Society of Enmity. So, again, The Society of Enmity, E-N-M-I-T-Y. And it was written by, and I'm getting ready to kill this name. Y'all know how I am. But I believe this is pronounced Akil Mbembe, M-B-E-M-B-E. So Akil, A-C-H-I-L-L-E, 
Membe, so M-B-E-M-B-E. Yeah, I'm really bad about these names, guys, so just please forgive me. But if you go out, you know, go to the Radical Philosophy website and look up the Society of Enmity, you'll be able to find it. And this came out November, December of 2016. Okay, and so another, you can look this PDF up, it's called Engaging Contradictions. Again, Engaging Contradictions. Theory, Politics, and Methods of Activist Scholarship. And this was edited by Charles Hale, H-A-L-E. And this was published by the University of California Press. So you may want to go and look that up and take a look around. It's the full PDF, so it's about 35 pages. I think you all would find that interesting. Another one is Zapista Anti-Capitalist Politics and the other campaign, learning from the struggle for indigenous rights and autonomy, right? And you can find this on the Academia website. So, and basically this is talking about perspectives from a Latin American, you know, um, perception or viewpoint. So, you know, go and look that up as well. I got like two more and then we'll move on. But this other one is called Left of Karl Marx. Again, Left of Karl Marx. It was written by Carol Boyce Davies. Carol Boyce Davies. And it was published in 2008. You can find this on Duke University Press. And just go out there and look that up. Published in 2008. I think you all will enjoy that. Now, I know some of you all don't have access to these journals, and this is why I tell you to just go and try to find it on Google Books because you'll be able to read some of it. And another one, Claudia Jones, Beyond Containment, Autobiographical. Uh, autobiographical. Oh, my God, Autobiographical, y'all. So Autobiographical Reflections, Essays, and Poems. And it was edited by, again, Carol Boyce Davies. So we'll repeat the name of this article again since my tongue got the better of me. But Claudia Jones, Beyond Containment, Autobiographical Reflections, Essays, and Poems. And specifically about Claudia Jones, you all get a chance to read her autobiography. Absolutely, it's exceptional. And she was over in London. She was actually from the United States, and she ex- she was she was exiled. She ran to London. So, and also she's also um, a woman of color. She was a non-believer. She was an atheist. So, if nothing else motivates you to look that up, look Claudia Jones up and look at the legacy that she left in 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 Great Britain. You know, a very rich history there, and. Um, you know, it's just so much more. But, you know, I'm going to transition because we have our guest on the phone, and I want to introduce him, you know, wonderful, wonderful young man. His name is Marcus Stennis, and he just wrote a book, and like I said, it was released June 28th, and the title of the book is What's a God to a Non-Believer? Again, what's a God to a non-believer? My journey away from religion toward atheism through hip-hop music. So let me tell you a little bit about Marcus Stennis. 
He's from the west side of Chicago. He attended Tennessee State University, graduated with his Bachelor of Arts in Communications with an emphasis on journalism. You know, his degree opened a lot of doors for him, and it led him to work for various media organizations like ESPN, iHeartRadio, and, you know, he worked for the NFL guys, National Football League. But I think we're kind of boycotting them because of Colin Kaepernick. But um, the Arena Football League and the Continental Basketball Associations, and he was a media relations assistant. And so he has, you know, a very, very rich, diverse you know, background, and I put the link on the show notes to the Amazon page. Make sure you guys go out there and order this book, you know, send him a note, show him some love. We're encouraging people to call into the show. The telephone number is 310-982-4273. Again, that's 310-982-4273, and press 1. If you have a question, but now I would like to introduce Marcus Stennis to the show. Welcome, Marcus. Hey, Kim. How you doing? I'm good, honey. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. That is, thank you for that intro. That It is so funny because I listen to this show every time you put the podcast out, and I'm actually on it. Like, this is it's going to be weird listening to myself on a podcast. That's all I got to say. Thank you for this uh, <laughs> Thank you for the opportunity, though. You know, and oh, just, anytime. Actually, thank you, thank you, just for the opportunity to for for people, black people, to talk somewhere and feel safe. And I know that people are kind of making fun of safe spaces and stuff, but I, I think that black need a, a safe space, you know, to to really discuss what's going on and not just be dismissed all the time. And you know, I just want to encourage. You know, you to keep doing this as long as you can, as long as you want to, and the others that that do it out there to do it also because we need we need these outlets. And you know, I wouldn't be here without this outlet. And I thank you for that. Oh, you're quite welcome. And no, I thank you for allowing me to be a part of your life. And so let me let the listening audience know. So Marcus has been listening to this show for years. And, you know, sometimes when I'm talking on the show and I get to, you know, just kind of going off the cuff, if you will, and I talk about don't walk up to me and repeat to me what you've heard me say because I was there when I said it, so I know what I said. And I said one of the things you can do for me is to let me know how you have grown you know, from listening to this show, how you have influenced others. Those are the things that make me happy and that lets me know that I'm not doing this in vain. And so it was really interesting because Marcus, um, a while ago, he made a status update, and he was talking about Ava DuVernay's documentary, 13. And he made some comments. Do you mind sharing that with us, Marcus? About Ava? About the 13th oh, documentary. And you were... Okay, so when, on the 13th documentary, you had watched it, and you said, had you not yeah. been listening to the show, these oh, shows, yeah. as well as right. some yeah, of yeah, the books? Yeah, yeah no, exactly. And, and that's that's one of the reasons I have to thank you, because, you know, I've known these, these things that I'm hearing on uh, on podcasts and documentaries, I, I've heard this from you. And then 
the special thing about you is is that you tell us to research even you. Like, you might get it wrong sometimes. Exactly. So, you know, and, and you're open to this course. It's like, hey, you know, Kim, uh, I, you might want to check this. You know, uh, I've checked this over here, and this this is what it says. And then, you know, you'll research me. I mean, that's that's how we get dialogue going and, you know, not being dismissive and, and opening yourself up for criticism. You know, and I, I thank you for that, you know, because I listen, seeing the 13th, it didn't surprise me, you know, because you, you led me to books already to to help me, you know, understand what, what was going on. And I still don't necessarily get it, get it, but I got a, I got a smidgen of a, a, a start on it. And thanks to you and thanks to other people that's coming along behind you. Excellent. Well, no, thank you, honey, because it's like it, it shows me that people are listening, that they're growing. And, yeah, I tell people to fact check me all the time, you know, because I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. And I even come back to the show and I correct myself, you know, and I don't have a problem with it. See, people have to learn how to basically take some criticism, you know, hopefully it's constructive criticism, just really depends on how you look at it, but you're going to make mistakes. And so don't be ashamed of making that mistake. You may have thought, you know, ABC, you know, five years ago, but now you think it's DEF. And you know what? That's okay. Because it's like I tell people to go back and listen to the old shows, and some of my opinions have changed. I've done a 180 on some things, and so uh, it's really interesting. But, yeah, never be ashamed of making a mistake. You learn from it. You improve. You do better. That's that's what life is all about. And so, you know, when Marcus told me that, you know, he was writing a book, he told me that a few years ago. And I was like, all right. So I'm, like, excited for him, and I'm, you know, referring him over to um, Dr. Anthony Penn because he did a book about humanism and hip-hop, and um, Monica Miller did one as well. And so when Marcus told me he was doing a book, I was, like, extremely excited for him. And when he finally told me, all right, Kim, we're getting ready to push this out, I was like, oh, because, you know, it just feels, I'm just so happy for him because I remember when he was starting on it. And so tell us tell us about that. You know, what what made you decide to do, to write a book specifically about atheism and hip-hop? Well, you know, I, I, I grew up, uh, I grew up on the west side of Chicago, and I grew up with a, a disability. Uh, I have uh, clumpkies, paralysis. It's a brachial plexus injury to you know to your shoulder and damage to your nerves and spine. So, uh, growing up, I had a different outlook. You know, uh, I didn't care about really learning anything. I just cared about being accepted by anybody local to me, my community, my block, my family. That's all I really cared for. So, really, I wasn't. I didn't care about going to school or learning, but. I had to do these things to, you know, to survive. So going to school, you get the mean people, the people to try to bully you. This, that, and the third. Uh, I felt the only thing that I had was hip hop, and um, hip hop music was, you know, I can just have this, this romance, you know, like where I'm just by myself listening to this intimately and listening to story, and uh, and I, I can they can take me to another place. So. Just moving on, you know, I, 
I always wanted acceptance. That's really what this book made me write this book. And so I guess I'm going to kind of boost forward to me meeting you. And how I met you was through when I well, how I met you was through Mandisa. And Mandisa uh, was like, oh, you know, I met her through seeing her on, on the atheist page. And the only reason I had to get an atheist page is because I was a, I worked for a Christian radio station as an atheist. So uh, I felt like I had to get an atheist page to to just uh, just try to find people that like me. I just want to get away from one niche and then get into a smaller niche, which was atheism. Little did I know later that I was going to have to try to get out this niche and go to a, a more niche, <laughs> more niche niche, you know, because atheism ain't necessarily the only thing and the, and the, the baddest thing out there. So, but anyway, I, right. I met I met Mandy, you know, through comments, and she was, you know, we we talk hip hop. I'm like, oh man, black people, that was so cool, and I was so surprised. I was so surprised to see black women, a lot of black women that was that was secular or not believing. I was like, wow. And it just really, like, excited me, you know, because I, I, black men, black women, oh, this is a whole new realm for me. So uh, right. Mandy, Mandy and you, like, had a show, and I, used, I was tuned in and everything. And then, uh, and then you had the Black Skeptics in Chicago, and you, had, you gave me a place to go to meet people like me and discuss things and you know I was nervous because I was like well I hope these people don't want to just you know fight religious people because I still live around these people I didn't know what to expect exactly and so and and of course it was like you know we all talked about our times of being religious and where we question and you know that was a talk I needed because I've never really had that talk with anybody you know because no one would have this conversation with me I mean it, it wasn't that no one they'll be dismissive and dismissive is the key word I want to use today because so many people are dismissive, you know, out here. And, you know, so I didn't I didn't go I didn't go to my family or anything because they're just gonna feed me the Jesus stuff and, and that's fine, you know, like <laughs> that's what you believe. I had questions and I was looked at as wrong, you know, for having these questions. So that's why that group was so so integral to anything that I did afterwards, like writing a book or treating my kids a certain way because they gave me a, a place to open up. And so I, I opened up to you like around, ooh, it was had to be around 2011 or 2012 that, you know, I was going to, I, I, I want to write this book about hip-hop and just how these songs, these songs stuck in my mind forever. And it's not really, it's not, it's, it's just my experience. You know, I just want you, I want people to read this and, and feel like what's their experience. Like, was it Duran Duran or was it whoever, you know, was it a rock band? Was it the Who? Was it Jay Z, you know, who just came out with a new album? Who who sparked your mind to think about these things? You know, it could be whatever. So I just took you on my journey with certain MCs and certain songs that made me question. First of all, why is God so invisible in the black community? And second of all, why is my community just a black community? Why do I have to go to a certain school to only see people that's a mixed race? I mean, that's another race, like white people or Mexican people. Like, why was my city so segregated? So that's what really, that's what, that was that was the premise behind the book. And I, I really want to research those questions. Now, it took me years later to, to actually write it, you know, but I, I'm glad it did because uh, over over 
from 2011 to 2017, I've changed as a human being. Uh, people, people that I associate myself with has changed. And the black atheist movement has changed. You know, I mean, I, I can't say it, but no other way. It's like we are a lot more separate now. And I think that's good and, and bad. You know, I think it's that, I think people have a, we're not a monolith. So, you know, someone, right. someone's social justice might not be another so, person's social justice. And if they can't agree to just, you know, be together, then they need to do it apart. But don't stop any, anybody right. from doing their thing. That's why I want to give you credit, Kim, because although there's other factions out here in the black atheist movement, you've never told me once not mess with this person, not mess with this group, not mess with this group. And I thank you. I thank you for that, you know, because that, that lets me trust you more to like, okay, you know, this ain't no dog and pony show and I ain't being used here on some sucker stuff. You know, I'm right. not to say anybody has done that. Right. I don't really know, but I'm just saying, like, I thank you for always letting me, you know, not not that you can have any control over me, but just saying, you know, that's just not making it hard for me to move around with, with other people if that's what I want to do, you know, because your experience right. is not my experience. But, you know, I thank you for that, you know what I'm saying, because, you know, um, everybody can do their thing, you know, and people don't have to be, people don't have to mess with other people, you know. You did your show over here. Uh, some guy got a show over there that they, you know, they might disagree with you, but fine. But just don't bring it over here, and you don't bring it over there, and we'll just stay separate, you know. And that's how we should move, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like, it's the feminist, everybody that's in, that's, that calls themselves feminists don't necessarily agree, especially with white feminism and black feminism. It's, it's, it can be two different types of feminism, you know. So they exactly. don't have to, you know, do what you do on your side. If, if that's what you care about. You know, a lot of atheists I see now care about First Amendment. I care about First Amendment, too, but I think sometimes that, you know, the atheist people that I see talk about this stuff, they really want to call people niggers, and, you know, just because they... Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> it just, you got it. I'm not the brightest star out here, but I'm just saying, it seems like they just want to say nigger, you know what I'm saying? Like, or basically anything to stay on top, you know what I'm saying? So all this stuff, you know, I'm glad I didn't write the book when I told you, because I've grown, like you said, you told me to read, you know, I got out and met people, you know, and, you know, and one thing I do want to give credit to, a lot of black women is holding the black atheist community up, you know, they, and I think the brothers, we got to kind of step in and help, you know, and don't be afraid that, you know, a woman is running it. I know the patriarchy thing run deep, you know, we got this weird pride, you know what I'm saying, and we, it's tough for us to be allies, you know, when we like that, you know what I'm saying? So we got it. Black women have been stepping it up on the YouTube videos, on the podcast, doing the work, you know what I'm saying? Mandy out there doing her work, people out there doing their work, you know? And so we've got to step it up on our side and support this, you know, because like I said, we don't have nothing if we don't have these outlets, you know? So, so that's what made me write the book. So now I'm, Kim, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm keep going, but my, my start, from 2011, you can kind of see the growth in me as I was as I continue writing this and continue moving on, and fi- figuring out that the atheist community ain't gonna save me either. You know, there you that's go. What I, there that's you what go. I come down to. You know, because at the end of the day, I you know I'm a human being that that's, that's called black. You know, just the stereotype is this black, whatever they whatever they feel. 
and even black people don't necessarily like it all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like someone being authentically themselves. You know, it's 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 a threat threat to right. them. And you know, they people right. try to have power over other people. And really, to me, and I don't, I'm not, I don't care if nobody agrees. It's just my opinion. Power. If you want power, is the right to inflict violence, in my opinion. You know, so uh-huh. you know. When people cry, people hollering for equality, and you know people just want to inflict violence, want the right to inflict violence on you by saying no, you know, uh, you can't get married, or no, you know, you can't, you know, you can't vote these voting rights. We want, we want these certain, we want to take certain voting rights away from you, and all the crazy stuff that's going on. People are doing this stuff because they want to. So, my journey in this book starts from me going to happened to transfer from a white to a white school because, you know, I I was basically trying to fight and be accepted by people. And so I go to this white school, it's a fifty minute bus ride and I see how different different our neighborhoods are. And I'm like, Well why am I why I live around all black people and why does it look the way it does? You know, it's the honest kid question right. cleaner and safer. Why do I even feel like theirs is safer? You know, and so I, I and then, so I go back to my community on, on the bus ride home. You know, it's a gang fight or something, and I have to ask God because in my community, Baptist church was the thing to do, was the thing to go to on Sunday. And I learned more about God from my friends, not my mom. And you know, my mom tried to do the right thing, but my friends are who I wanted to impress more because my mom had to love. Me. You know, that's my philosophy on it. So, you know, I just go. I, I, I don't I don't know who to ask these questions to because if you blaspheme God you get in trouble or you going to hell and I want to go to hell you know I'm a little kid so right so 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 I see other other types of religions out there through hip hop and other I hear other discussions about what being black black was that my community I, I just wasn't open to at the time and so the first thing I thought was well why is God invisible in the black community. And I felt like that was a a valiant, valiant question. You know, when everything is going wrong, why is he so invisible? You know, if they say he knows and does everything, everything I'm missing. I'm missing. So, you know, Rakim was my first. uh, Rakim was the first guy that kind of made me, helped me answer this question, because he used uh, words like knowledge itself, and and you know, he looked like a reverend on this video called move the crowd so move the crowd you know he had he had these four poses he's in church he was in a uh he was in front of like fans on the stage and uh he was like in a military uh uniform and those things like you know like he seemed his voice was very authoritarian and he spoke you know the way he delivered his rhyme it just seemed like he was really serious like he gained the people's attention like he was an mc which what that's what mcs do they they it make you feel them on the stage. So, you know, he said words like Allah and like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is away from my Jesus teaching now. You know, you mean to tell me there's another God? So it's like I, I was removed from a cave, you know. So it just goes down from songs. You know, I asked why is Rakim going to hell? You know, is Rakim going to hell for not believing the same God that my mom and my friends believe in? You know, I go down to, you know, I'm thinking – uh, Slick Rick song, Hey Young World, was telling me to fight somebody because no one loses a fight in God's sight. That's what the, that was the lyric that sparked that. 
And I'm wondering, like, okay, Jesus must be real because, you know, Slick Rick had it in this video, had the Bible in this video, and, you know, my mom believed in Jesus, and Slick Rick believed in Jesus, so Jesus it is. But then I go down these rabbits. I go down this rabbit hole, you know, Biggie talking about suicidal thoughts. And at that time, it's like, you know, you don't commit suicide. That's murder. You're going to hell, you know, even for killing yourself. But why would Biggie want to go to hell? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, go, yeah, go yeah right. Right. So, you know, so it just go, it, it goes, then it gets political with with uh, KRS-One and Razzcast. They're going, why black people even believe the Bible. And, you know, uh, Razzcast had a line like, you know, um, uh, they they think they uh, uncle and wait wait they said, wow oh, I can't think of it. Um, oh he said Jews he said he said he said Jews don't represent the swastika but niggas represent the same flag that encostage you. You know like whoa where right. are we going here now? Like what are you trying to say about the about my United States of America that I live in? You know. Once you start right. challenging that, but that was true. It's like, whoa. but it was true, right? You know, so you know, and that it makes you look at that American flag, and you you start wondering, wait a minute. So this is is this a black and white thing? You know, like why am I even on this land anyway? And who was here before I was here? And it just makes you go down this rabbit hole of further and further. And then you know, I go into Master P. You know, of is there a heaven for a gangster? Whoa, 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 whoa. Why are they in this situation in the first place? Why why is there a ghetto anyway for black people? And why is it like that? You know, that same thing right. where if you go to New Orleans, if you go to Chicago, if you go to Detroit, it's that thing that you just see. And it's all in common. Like, why is it like that? You know, so why do Master P have to have to pay for funerals and, and wonder, you know, did the dude, was he, did he really do the crime or whatever, you know? It's it just gets real weird and, you know, and granular. You keep going down and down and, you know, I get to where I was in working for ESPN in Connecticut and I just said, fuck it. My family's not around no more. My friends can't. I'm, I'm in a whole new place by myself. No one can tell me nothing about nothing anymore. I'm going to make this decision. I'm an atheist. Which, All right, was, now. which was interesting. Which was interesting because I learned, I saw a lot of, that was when YouTube was kind of big for me because I started finding a lot of white atheists that was bold enough. They was kind of the firebrand atheists. And that's all I would find. You know, then I found uh, the atheist experience and uh, somehow podcasts came in. Of course, I was listening to you, you know, um, the infidel guy. They all kind of had this one little way of doing things where they were, not, not you, but the other people that I mentioned, the firebrand atheists. That made me, that emboldened me because I was by myself. So this was kind of like, I felt like religious because they, these guys emboldened me to, you know, say, you know what, fuck religion. You know, they, they did this, that, and a third of my past or, you know, this person I know got raped and God didn't help. Yeah, fuck religion. And, and it, that was just, to me, that was going too far, which is why I'm glad I met you because you kind of reeled me in later by, you know, not giving up on religious people. Actually, you, I, I did a dedication to two people in my book. One was to my daughter, Nazareth, who, I, the irony of that name, but it's a story behind it, and I'm cool with the name Nazareth. Um, and and, uh, and um, I dedicate the book to you, Kim, because Kimberlyville, I mean, if it wasn't for you, I would not be the intersectional person, thinking person that I am. 
intersectional, and I I like to call myself an ally, but I'll, I'll be open for anybody to challenge me on that because I know I still have blinders on in certain aspects, you know. And, you know, right. learning and just learning in this community, you know, People are not going to help. Sometimes, you know, even even in, in in our groups, you know, you want people to donate money to you, but you know, sometimes I understand. Sometimes black people just want to keep that money for themselves to do something they want to do. You know, they'll give, they want to give, but they just don't got it right now, or they have it and they just don't want to give right. it to you right. Now. It just is what it is, and it's unfortunate that you know it, it could help us, but that's just the way it is, and you know, I don't necessarily blame the black community but we do need to step it up too so it's, it's, it's a two-edged sword there you know but you know just finding out that the atheist community and i and i kind of wrap it up just find out that the atheist community wasn't the safe place that i thought it was you know and you know i've been called nigger in the comments so much and then people are like oh it's just a comment and then you know i you know i understand that you know what i'm saying but then when you get rhetoric from what the, per, the, the YouTuber you watching, and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, you know, you, I mean, you see the code of dust, Dusty say these things, you know, and you got black people yep. already saying, like, hey, man, I mean, I remember, I don't know if you know John Rhymes. He was, uh, he, he's big in battle rap. Too. Oh, yeah. Uh, I watch battle rap. But, yeah, John Rhymes told us years ago about the code of Dusty, and it's like, man, and then you, you've been saying stuff about him. And it's like, I was, I, these were like my guys. I'm like, no, not these guys. You know, I didn't want to break out that cage, and which is funny. Right. I want to mention Raina because Raina, I swear, like she used to make me so mad because I wanted to believe in it. <laughs> I wanted to believe in the Jeremiah Kamara's and the all oh, the four horsemen, Sam Harrison, and you know when she, man. But it's like I'm so glad that she was the way she was on the show because. I, when I go fact check her, I, yo, she clean, she 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 clean. She got a clean bill of health there, you know. And it's like right. she, she's on it, and you're and you're on it. And it's like this sh- this show what what upset me because I I was comfortable in the in the white atheist uh, I guess for the lack of a better word the white atheist world where we can just have fun questioning God on TV shows and just saying anything and just wondering if there was no religion. Well, you know, imagine if there was no religion. You know, it's like. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. it's just a connotation to that, you know. Which religion are you talking about? Because we exactly. all fall in dogmatic ways, you know. And everybody's about their culture and culture. And black church is part of our culture, whether we want to divorce ourselves as atheists or not, you know. So, you right. know, this wasn't a safe space. It wasn't a safe space because I didn't feel like it's not a safe space because I felt like if if my Christian brother or cousin came into this space with you. They're, I don't feel like they're safe because they're a nigger, you know, if you're talking about oh. these people, they're dumb or they're, they're a cult, what they call uh-huh. a victim cult. It's like, whoa, these exactly. coded words. You know, and then you then you do the uh, whole, what's the guy uh, who keeps getting in trouble? Like, oh, he, he, anyway. Uh, it's a whole bunch of them. Whole, it's a whole bunch of them. It's a whole bunch of them. But the main, the, main white guy, the main white guy who did Pizzagate and all that stuff. Oh, Alex anyway, Jones? Is that who you're talking about? Alex Jones. Yeah, he, now Alex Jones does this thing where he's great. He's like, oh, I didn't mean to say that. Or, oh, well, I thought, you know, like, and he, he got that little that sideshow Barker voice, you know, where he, where he mm-hmm. hits you. Like, that's what, that's what a lot of, uh, a lot of the 
so so called mainstream white atheists are doing, like, oh, well, well, well we're not racist though, but oh, we're we, 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 right. that way now. You know what I'm saying? Child, you know, it's like, I, I wouldn't let feel, me tell you, I wouldn't feel safe. Okay, now check it. You've been listening to this show for a while. Raina and I have gotten in so much trouble. Not any real significant trouble because our opinions are just that ours. But we have been calling these people out on this. And people were angry because, you know, I said, you know, what I said about Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, Christopher Hitchens. And the reason why I'm not going to put Daniel Dennett in that is because anyone who listens to this show knows that I have a tremendous amount of respect, you know, for um, for um, Dennett, you know, in, in the study that he did with Linda LaScola. And basically it was a study talking about the number of pastors, ministers, what have you, that are atheists. But yet they're kind of trapped into that particular career that they've chosen. And so, um, you know, that was Daniel Dennett. And and the whole thing, but, you know, Raina and I called a lot of stuff out. And see, Raina is, you know, she'll just pull the damn rug from under you. You know, me being me, I'm going to try to get a pillow back there so you can kind of, you know, you're going to fall on your ass, but, you know, we're going to try to get you some cushion, right? (laughs) And so, (laughs) see, and and that's the whole thing. And it's interesting on a couple of the points that you made. Yeah, you know, so for the past couple of years, on purpose, we've pulled back as far as critiquing you know, certain, you know, celebrity atheists. And we did that on purpose because there were people out there who were criticizing us, saying, oh, they take it too far, or you just don't have a measurable sense of humor. Dusty is only joking, or this was only a joke, and why are you taking it so serious? Something wrong with you. So we decided to step back to allow them to control the narrative. They ain't said shit in in private conversations the way that it's been explained to me. They may have some issues with some of these things, but they do not have the desire to say anything publicly because then it interferes with the particular agenda that they're setting, that they've set for themselves. And so it's interesting because they'll send someone else out to kind of test the waters and say a few things. But even when that other person or these other people say things, it's very much so watered down. And so every once in a while I'll say something on my wall or throw a you know a comment in on the podcast. But we've been keeping quiet for a reason. But, um, oh, yeah, in October – We're going to be doing something a lot different on this show because it's like since they have not taken the lead and we gave them the opportunity, you know, we're going to go back and we're going to control the narrative again. And, you know, we really don't have a choice because when you have people out here, celebrity white atheists, saying that they see some truth in regards to the bell curve, and it's not mm. setting off alarms all over the place, there's a problem. Mm. You know, when you, yeah, and so it's like, you know, what you were just saying, man, let me tell you, if I could show you the Holy Grail, and for those of you who don't know what the Holy Grail is, that's that's my notebook. 
and stuff that I write down that I want to talk about on the show. Oh, I got some raw material, and it's going to be quite interesting because, I mean, for those that have been around, you know, I don't really care about a lot of stuff, you know, as far as the criticism and all of that. But anyway, um, no, you're absolutely right. And when we would call these things out, we would get trolled. And, yes, we would be called the N-word. And, you know, I remember when Hamant um, wrote an article on the Chicago Latino Atheist, the comments were horrible. And anytime you see anything that's celebrating someone that's black or Latino or Muslim, atheist or non-believer or humanist, oh, look at the comments. And then, you know, with some of these organizations, they lack the backbone to stand up. And that is the reason why you have people like me and Raina, and we won't support them. Because it's like you're not going to speak up. You're going to allow this to happen. Oh, well, we get people to delete it. Fuck it, delete. You need to address it. But that's not happening. You know, and so, you know, the whole thing is interesting. And I know some people got angry with me when I told some of the disgruntled believers that listen to the show or the questioning believers or some of the nuns and even some of the, you know, bona fide atheists, humanists, free thinkers, skeptics in this community, when I tell them to go back to the damn black church, I'm like, go back. If they're helping you with daycare, if they're helping you to, you know, make your food stretch to the end of the month because you got to go pick up a bag, you know, once or twice a month, and, and, and they're helping you, let them help you because this community does not have its shit together. It does not have its priorities together. You know, and so right. what's so interesting was when you were talking about, you know, the groups, and, you know, one of the issues I have is, for the most part, most of these people are part of these groups or join these groups for the social interaction. Now, that's important. I understand that. But what's so interesting to me is, you know, I'm like, let's go out in the community. Let's go out here for National HIV, you know, testing day. Let's do this, that, and the other. And I had people throwing cash at me. They would rather give me money than to go out and do the work. And, you know, of course, of course, that's a problem for me, right, for a number of reasons. But, you know, what's interesting is when people do send me money and they do send me money, I turn around and I use that money, add more to it, and push it out. Because one of the things I will say that's the difference between me and, and many other folks, I'm not in this for the money. There's really no money to be made without scamming. And you have a lot of scam artists and predators in this community, just like you do with, you know, the church. And so you start seeing some of the same behavior, and all of this ties into what you were saying about atheism and atheism alone isn't going to save you, just like religion and religion alone is not going to save you. You know, it's more to life than those particular ideologies, and so, you know, what's so interesting about it is you have both of the communities pointing the finger at one another when they're just a mirror image of each other. Same mm. bullshit, same problems, same, right. you know, yeah, you know, same problems, same people creating situations and problems and abusing their power, abusing their authority and using folks. 
I mean, and, and it's so interesting because, you know, when I, you know, when I see comments from, you know, some particular specific, you know, um, atheists of color, and they point the finger at the church and say, well, the church needs to fix up, you know, the church and deal with their problems before they can come over here and say anything to us. And what they, you know, don't seem to understand is when they have that type of mentality and they push out those particular talking points, it's nothing but respectability politics. Because, again, let's hold this mirror up. Let's hold this mirror up. you got people in this community stealing money. you got people in this community using their position or their celebrity to elicit sex out of people. you got a whole bunch of stuff going. You got sexual predators, you know, running around, got some pedophiles. I mean, this is across the board. And so when you have one community saying, well, our community is better than that community, no, it's not. And I actually hold the the secular community more accountable than a religious community. Why? Because you're supposed to know better, especially if you came out of the church and into the secular community. You're supposed to know better. And many of them do do know better. They just don't care. And see, and that's why some of the negative characteristics that I used to assign to religious people, I now say it's a matter of the human condition because you're I'm seeing yeah. it across the board within a number of these. Exactly. You know, and like you said, the racism, you know, in the atheist community, the same thing, they have the same racism in the mainstream LGBTQ community. They have the same racism in, the, you know, the disabled community. They have the same racism in the feminist community and on and on and on. Because what happens is these smaller subgroups or subcommunities are nothing but a mirror image of mainstream you know, society. And see, and this is the thing, you know, because, you know, I have people and they'll say, well, Kim, you know, you don't want to go to the conferences and you don't want to talk to people, you know, why don't you want to do that? And I'm like, why should I go out there and and go to an audience and talk to them about racism when they're not even addressing the racism within their own community? As a matter of fact, they run from it. And on top of that, they're afraid to address it because they don't want to lose their membership numbers and dollars. So it's the same shit, you know, and this is why you have Black Lives Matter and other groups stopping all of these gay pride parades and make them come down and make them sign, you know, off on a contract stating that they would spend more money on HIV and AIDS um, education and, and materials in black and Latino communities and make them, you know, address the issue of homeless LGBTQ, you know, um, youth of color and also about the, you know, the trans women of color that are being killed with impunity. And so basically we are forcing them to make a stand. And that also needs to be done in the atheist community. You know, but, you know, it's like, who's going to do it? And so what's interesting is, you know, some people, well, some people, they cringe whenever I open my mouth. Why? Because, see, the white people are going to go to them and start asking them the black people questions. Well, do I make you feel like this? Or, you know, is this happening in this community? Yeah, it's happening in this community. I'm not making this shit up. I got screenshots. I mean, you know, I've saved HTML. I can show you. 
you know, and so, you know, the whole thing is just, it's, it's, it's wild. But, yeah, no, I mean, these are issues that need to be addressed. Unfortunately, in, in, in you know, the secular community, especially the, you know, the secularists of color, you know, most of them, you know, are basically trying to have their atheist celebrity shine. And and get the few crumbs that are dropped from the table, and not necessarily know what they are really truly worth. However, you know what's so interesting is with some of these people, it's not just the secular community. Again, LGBTQ, feminists, disabled, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You'll have these same people out here, and they will say, you know, we 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 don't like the way the mainstream is, you know conducting itself and we need to make these changes and and these are their talking points initially and so once they get a little power and a few dollars in their pocket then all of a sudden they're no longer talking about dismantling and deconstructing an uh, you know an unjust system right now they're talking about well you need to play by our rules you know, so what they've done is they've created their own set of rules and their own set of policies and what to do and what not to do, which is nothing but a mirror image of the systemic problem in the mainstream. Now it's just in blackface. Now it's just with right. a Muslim face. Now it's just with a Latino face. But see, this is the system that you wanted to destroy. Oh, what you meant to say is that you want to head that. You you want these things, but with your face or with people that look like you. You're not really trying to get free. You're not really trying to get liberated. You're trying to be in the front of the pack, pulling a damn Donald Trump, pushing people out the way so you can be up front. How the fuck does that work, Marcus? No, it don't work. Not for the community, not for us. Right. Right. You know, and, you know, and so you're trying to you're actually trying to help. You know? You're actually trying to help the help mm-hmm. by criticizing to make it better for everybody. Because you forget about, you know, that, that disabled girl who happens to be a lesbian or bi. You know, it, that mm-hmm. women are that's why I'm so happy that the black atheist community that I see is a lot of women running, you know, because um mm-hmm. you know you guys will be more intersectional than I think a black man would, you know. And I love, I, I love my black brothers, I love my black sisters, but I think sisters are looking a little bit beyond the issue to say, hey, look, you know, damn some white feminism right now. They're not, they, they're, they're dismissive of us, you know. So right. we, you know, let's, let's include everybody, you know what I'm saying, and, and let's be more intersectional about it because we got people that need help, you know, that shouldn't be dismissed. And you know that's that's why I'm right. glad that we have these outlets because this is helping by critiquing this. If if they want to get it right, like the, the allies so-called do, you know, and, and even with me being a, a male ally to anybody that's feminine, you know, I understand why you got to kind of keep your side eye open. You know what I'm saying? Because you know sometimes it's, people are trying to help just to have sex. Sometimes people are trying to you know get talking engagement. You know, to me, that's the real new scam in, in, in the black community is talking engagement, speech engagement, you know, where you just right. shouting all this stuff like, this is what the black community is going to do, and, you know, you don't know. You know, you ain't broke down no numbers for real, for real. You know, you just looked on, huffed and exactly. got some stats, you know. 
You know, but that, that seems like a new scam. <laughs> so, no, I mean, you're absolutely right. And see, and that's the thing that pisses me off when I see people still in the talking points. Now, still in the talking points, I don't really get too upset about that. It's when you butcher them that I get an attitude. I'm like, really? You know, well, not only are you not going to say you got that talking point from me, now you're going to misconstrue it, too. Yeah, I don't want you giving me credit for that bullshit right there. But, you know, some of these people, one of the things that a lot of people forget is, you know, once you start calling yourself an activist or an organizer or what have you, you know, you need to develop your your intellectual development, if you will, which means you need to read. You need to ask questions. You need to sit down with someone and let them correct you and push you in the right direction. There's a reason why I drop books on this show and I say, go read this, go read that, or I'll tell you to Google certain things. Because, again, you know, if, if you're truly an activist and an organizer and this is something that you want to do long term and you're dedicated to the cause, you need to grow. You need to grow. And if you only got two or three talking points that you're always falling on, ain't nobody going to want to hear that shit after a while. The same shit over and over. I can look at that shit for free on YouTube. You need to grow. You feel what I'm saying, Marcus? Yeah, we all we all got to. We, we ain't going to never stop. We got to keep getting in that bucket and and seeing a, getting out of the cave and getting into a new cave, play chess with chess players. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so, yeah, you know, um you know, I'm sitting here and I'm I'm looking at the um you know, the information you you sent me. And you listed these different songs, you know, Move the Crowd, Hey Young World, and you were talking about how these songs were a catalyst to you, you know, and and they gave you comfort, but they also pushed you out of your comfort zone and made you question, you know, why was God and religion so vital to basically the foundation of the black community, while at the same time, this God that they serve was so invisible. So, you know, you know, it makes you think, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I want you to think about your, what made you the Christian you are, the racist you are, the, not, not you, Kim, but, you know, just whoever's out there listening. Right. What made you, what made you, what made you want to be a Republican, a Democrat? What was the influences? It's not about just hip hop. It's bigger than that, you know. It's bigger than it's, it's, right. it's about what made me who I am today, you know, and why I might have certain philosophies. Hip hop was a part of that. Rock music could be someone else's, you know. Uh, anything, you know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. and 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 another thing that I want to get across is that, yeah, I found atheism, but it wasn't enough. It just wasn't. That's it right. It wasn't because that's right. It goes back to the original question of why was my neighborhood like this? and their neighborhood like that. And atheism don't have nothing to do with it. You know, I mean, it's, it's racism. It's white supremacy. I call it out, you know. And, right. Um, one of the songs in my book is Ice Cube, When I Get to Heaven. And then and, and the hook yes. says, I wonder what they, what they call me a nigger when I get to heaven. I mean, that's a deep question for a young someone young and as impressionable as me at the time. Like, right. 
are they gonna call us the niggas when we get to heaven? You know, like, because it, it seems like heaven is for white people. It do. It right. seems like heaven is for white right, people. Right, right. For me, because my God, that God is white. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then even in one of the songs, one of the guys say they pay their auntie and a nephew. So subconsciously, you keep yourself, your mind close to God. I butchered the lyrics, but he basically was basically saying that they said Michael Angelo was commissioned. To, and that could be total, total BS. But God is white in the photos that I remember, for the most part. And so if they were if they would paint a picture of God in my head. Then of course they're gonna. I mean, what's different from the rest of the country? So, you know, it's just it just gets real deep. But atheism is not enough. It wasn't enough. You know, I, I opened up to reading philosophy, and I thank you for uh, introducing me to the Negritude movement. And, you know, the books yes. you shared with me, and you know, and so your guests that you have with books. Uh, I, I bought some of their books. You know, from from your from just you putting it out there, putting them out there, which I'm thankful. Like once again, we need this movement to continue. You need I know I know it's convenient for us to go out here and just, you know, and just say we black atheists and whatever, but it takes a little bit more, you know what I'm saying? Don't you know, don't don't get mad at this podcast. I mean, well, of course if it probably goes against your belief and you think you're doing the right thing, you're gonna get mad. But you need this right. criticism out there. You need you need this critical thought, you know, and and black people we need it. Black men we need to step up and you know, stop shaming black women, and you know we we gotta get up and help the black women in the atheist community if we really want to hold this community up. That's just my opinion, and that's, right. that's and that see, was the inspiration behind it. Oh yeah, no, and I'm right there with you, and I agree. However, from from my experience and from some of the things I observed. With some of the men in this community, men of color specifically, too many have been sitting back and waiting and watching and allowing the women to carry the burden, to do the hard work, to invest their time, money, resources, lives, you know, health, families, income, all of that to create what is being created and built on, you know, in this community. And once it seems as though it's stable or stable enough, you have a lot of these men of color that want to come in and then take over. And, again, that goes back to that patriarchy. And that's one of the things that I've said from the very onset of me doing this podcast. And I kept saying that I'm afraid that that was going to happen because that is what happened in other movements. If you go back and you look at the Black Power Movement, you look at the Civil Rights Movement and other movements that were centered around, you know, people of color in this country, women were the ones who started, maintained, and financed those movements. And then the men came in and took over, you know, and so – you know, the whole thing is just really interesting. If you really want to read something interesting, go back and look up the relationship that Ella Baker had with Martin Luther King Jr., Bayard Rustin, and a few other ones, but especially Bayard Rustin and MLK. Because, see, if there was no Ella Baker and no Daisy Bates, and there would be no Martin Luther King Jr. 
And you go and look up to find out, you know, um, Bayard Rustin and the promises that he made Ella Baker and some of the women, you know, that were part of this movement and how they reneged on it and how they, you know, they, they you know, the women were being mistreated. So, you know, it's just the whole thing. And, you know, I tell people all the time, people don't change. The only thing that changes are power structures. So when you sit there and you look, it's the same shit over and over, just a different name. You know, instead of being light-skinned, they may be brown-skinned or they may be dark-skinned, but it's the same bullshit. You know what I mean? So that's just my two cents there. But, yeah, that's one of the things that I have worried about. But, you know, again, um, that's why it's important to define what patriarchy is, define sexism, right. define misogyny, and show people, you know, <laughs> this is what you did, and this is why it's problematic. And each and yep. every last one of us are problematic. Mm-hmm. Each and every last one of us have said and done things that are problematic. And guess what? We're still going to do and say shit that's problematic. Yep. That's never yep. going to change. People do that. Yeah. So, you know, you know what I would tell you, the advice I would give you and the, you know, the people that are listening, continue to develop intellectually, continue to build on what you have and what you want to do. Because, see, there are some people out here that will tell you what you did was stupid or what you're talking about is stupid. And, and and it's no good, and nothing is going to come from it, nothing is going to come of it. Five years later, you've built up a following. You've built up a platform, and, it, you know, it's catching on to more and more people. And next thing you know, the person that critiqued you is sitting in an audience at one of your, you know, it, when you're having a panel or you're giving a talk. And it's, just like, really interesting because it's like, you know, you know, if if you could shoot fire from your eyes at some people, you would. But, you know, I want to encourage you guys, find your niche and stick with it. Build it up. Build on it. Learn. Make yourself some, you know, make alliances, you know, build relationships, all of that. Because what you're talking about and what you're trying to do is important. And it should not be based on other people's opinions because there are some people that will give you the most negative response. And, you know, there are some people out there that would discourage you, and the next thing you know, you turn around and they run away with your concept, with your thoughts, with your your platform. You understand what I'm saying? That's unfortunate. And, you know, wow. oh, yeah, oh, yeah, and then they will guilt you. You know, they will try to guilt you. But go ahead. What were you going to say, dear? Yeah, and I mean, that's, I just want to piggyback off that, you know, and I I want people to create and get that info out there, you know. don't And then let it go. That, and that's what I'm doing. This this book, for me, is kind of a breakup with the with, with hip-hop in a way. I mean, of course, I'm, I'm going to listen to it, but, you know, this is the young man's thing, you know what I'm saying, like, there's older artists making stuff, but I'm kind of, you know, I'm moving on. You know, that's just me personally. It's a breakup with the atheist community in a way because it's like, you know, it was good. I thank everybody. You know, everybody that's on my Facebook page, you know, I, I had to get a, 
atheist Facebook page, and I thank you guys, you know, for just accepting me and introducing me to my OG, which is Kim Veal. You know, I thank the atheist community for this time for me to move. But but it's time for me to it was it's time for me to move on. That's what this book was is it's about breaking up and letting go and let them do them over there. You know, I have my thoughts right. whatever, and I might critique and and uh, you know be critical of of what what they do over there, but. They need to, you know, figure this stuff out too. You know, they're gonna get, they're gonna grow, hopefully, and hopefully get better, or hopefully see if they're wrong. I know that that's what happened with me. So, you know, it's kind of a breakup with, with hip hop and atheism, and you know, it's grow, it's moving on to something else in my life. You know, to where, you know, I can't, I can't ever leave that behind totally because it's part of me. You know, but it's time right. for me to go on to something else, more focus. That's a little bit more. Uh, that's not dismissive. That's inclu- that that includes people. You know what I'm saying? And you know, that's more a little bit more fair. You know, we all we all I think we all are assholes out here to some extent. But you know, <laughs> I'd rather be the, the most fair asshole I can. You know, you know. So that's what this, that's what it's about. And once again, I thank you and the other black women and black men that have a platform here. You know what I'm saying? It's, keep getting out here, but like Kim said, you got to get better. You got we got to grow. That's right. You can't have confirmation. Confirmation exactly. Mind. You know, you got to exactly. grow. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's and the thing. Me, you know, you don't want to get stuck. Right. Right. Yeah, and you definitely, you don't want to get stuck. Because, Kim, I was looking I was listening to, like, Sam Harris, like, a long time ago, and Bill Maher, and, you know, like, you start to look at them now, it's like, damn, Michael Shermer, really? Really? Yes. Like, like, oh, child, right. I'm just, I'm just hoping Matt Hunte and you probably gonna tell me he said something, but I'm hoping you're like, come on, not Matt Hunte or you know, like, hopefully he don't say nothing. <laughs> you know, like, that's my last hope here. You know what I'm saying? He seems liberal enough. <laughs> to never know. You gotta keep that. You gotta keep right. it open because you know you might hear him just go off the tangent one day and say them. I don't know. I hope he never does it. You know. Uh, Aaron Ra, right. I hope he, you know, I don't really know anything, you know. Uh, I'm looking at David Smalley a little, little bit differently, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, you know, he's, he's trying to get to both sides of the argument. But it seems like one of the sides of the argument sometimes is really dismissive and, you know, they don't really care about, you know, what happens with people's lives. You know, they're playing with people's lives. Exactly. You know, with, with this rhetoric. And, you know, you have them on your show, it's like, I understand you want to get both sides, then I'm not going to bother you then. I don't have to – but don't come over here, you know, getting in this bag over here, you know, throwing your little hot takes around either, you know what I'm saying, because we're trying to avoid, you know, that little clash there, you know what I'm saying. But if you want to have that clash, you know, other than that, I got nothing against David Smalley. I just, I'm just viewing this show a little bit differently, you know. I, I, I got to keep my right. eyes open, you know, because right. you just never know when people go for themselves. And that's anybody, but – you know, especially when we're stereotyped and, you know, you know, it's like, oh, you know, basically pull yourself up by the bootstraps. This world is is equal as it's going to get. You're privileged. You're more privileged than anybody in these other countries. But still, you, I'm not I'm not equal or, or better than you. You know what I'm saying? Like, not that I have to be better, but at least equal. And, you, and so, right. yeah, I just, I, I just got, I just got that, I just got, I'm just trying to stay woke, as the, as the kids say. You know, and just <laughs> keep my mind open to all the stuff that's going on, because you know, the smaller niches and that's safe for them. You know, and you, you keep complaining about safe spaces, you mess around, and some 
somebody do something stupid because they didn't have a safe space to go to, you know. So right. I, I understand. I understand. You know, I'm not. Some of this pe- people going to picket schools and all that evergreen, like that ain't. Look, y'all do that. I get it. You know, but it's a, a more important arguments. You know, that's going on is is really important things that's going on. You know that that we got to open our eyes to and, and stay off this this BS and just grow as a community. You still can grow. I'm always going to be an atheist, and I'm here for anybody that's scared of coming out. And if, if, if you're young enough and your parents control you, do not come out. It's not your time. You know, if you're 15 right. and you're dependent, it's not your time to come out. You know, you you are dependent on these people that's religious, and, and so you got to stay safe because they'll kick you out, you know, especially if you're oh, you yes, know, if you're in the LGBT community, you know, so and you don't believe. That's two double no-nos in the black community. So exactly. if you have safety, stay there. You know, I back then in 2011, I probably told you, man, you better tell your parents you were atheist. What they gonna do? You out? You don't have no other life. That's if I was that person in 2011. 2011. So, yeah, if you if you are atheist or you know, and, and your parents are really religious and controlling of you, you might have to stay. You know, you, you got to find a safe time to come out. You know, that's what I'm here for. If you need to. You know, contact me on Facebook, Andrew DeFriends at Facebook. Just look me up. You know, hit my message. I'm open to talk to. You know, we have to open up these, you know, these speaking terms with people so we can, you know, help some of these people because some some of them can't leave the church. Some of them in the church, right. pastors, atheists, and you know that's their that's the way they they that's their life. So exactly, it's your livelihood. You know, and and. You know, it's it's just really interesting, especially when I talk to believers. And, um, you know, because we have quite a few believers that listen to this show. And they enjoy what I'm saying, but I think it makes them feel comfortable and I create a safe space because I'm not anti-theist. I'm not against the church. I'm not because, again, you have the black church and you got the white church. The black church is a lot different than the white church. And in order to throw the black church you know, under the bus, you're literally throwing the black community under the bus, and I'm not willing to do that. You know, not everything that happened in church was negative, you know. Um, but the whole thing, you know, I was um, at a barbecue yesterday, and um, we were sitting back and we were laughing. Of course, I'm the only non-believer there. And so one of the, you know, um, believing people that were there, they were telling me about something that was going on with Juanita Bynum. And I'm like, is it time to go troll her again? And so, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's usually what happens, you know, because it's like with some of the believers and they run across someone like me, I'm like, yeah, we can go troll. <laughs> but, you know, what I really try to do is take the information that I get from these ministers and I feel like this. If you're going to believe it, let's let's put it in context in such a way that you understand it because in many cases these people are manipulating and exploiting you. And especially when they start using scriptures and they're proof texting. And it's like, I may not believe in this, but if you're gonna believe in it, let's 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 define this correctly. Let's put this in the correct context, you know, put you on the right narrative. But um no, you're right. You know, um, you know. While I may not agree with a lot of the ideology, I still love the people. 
And, you know, I think I've said this on the show before because, you know, I've had some people imply that, you know, in order to be basically viewed as serious within the mainstream atheist community, that you basically have to assimilate and do as you're told and not critique you know, these white folks out here that are saying and doing stupid shit, you know, keep that in-house. Even if you try to talk to them in-house, they still don't look at you like, I don't know, you know, explanation, fuck you, nigger. You know what I mean? And, and then what? Then what do you have? And so, you know, the whole thing is, you know, I'll tell anyone in a heartbeat, you know, I will choose the black church over the white atheist community. Yes, I will. Yes, I do. And um, that's just where I am because within the white secular community, you know, I've never been called nigger this many times in my life ever. Mm. You know, I wasn't wasn't being called nigger, you know. I mean, I've been called a nigger a couple of times before I came to the secular community, but, you know, they were far and few between. As a matter of fact, the very right. last time I was called a nigger, I was living in Atlanta, and I was over on the Georgia Tech campus. And, you know, a truck full of guys, white guys, drove by, and I heard the word nigger. You know, but in in within the secular community, you know, I remember when some of the organizations had people write, you know, op-eds or a little blog regarding racism regarding what was happening down in Ferguson with the Trayvon Martin and, you know, all of the unrest and, you know, crickets and tumbleweeds, baby. They didn't have nothing to say. And when they did get someone to write the little op-eds or the blogs, the comments were just off the chain. You know, they were like, the cops are the good guys. And these other people, you know, and I was sitting there and I was reading it, and some of these organizations, you know, they were really nervous about putting that out there and, 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 you know, policing, you know, their own community. And so, you know, what I find interesting about that is if you're not going to address and try to rectify the racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, et cetera, and, and you know, um, ableism and all of that, you know, why, why would you possibly think that I want to uphold, promote, and support a community that's allowing that to happen? I'm already being forced to, 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 to watch it and to be a part of it with the mainstream community. And so, you know, when I see people, when they put these campaigns out there and they, they want to say normalized atheism, my, my answer to that is hell to the motherfucking no. And the reason for this, I am not going to normalize Sam Harris saying that he agrees with the fucking bell curve or certain, you know, certain factors or tenets of it. I'm never going to promote that. I'm never going to promote and agree with um, Bill Maher, Sam Harris, Christopher Hitchens, Richard Dawkins, um, what's that other dude, Michael Shermer, and Pat Condo, and I can name a slew of other white, the Bogosian guy, you know, the one with the real big hair, him, and a, and a bunch of other. I, you know, when they come out and they start making these, you know, racist, sexist, misogynist, Islamophobic, you know, messages and comments, I'm not going to support that. 
I'm not going to normalize that shit. How the hell? We're trying to deconstruct and dismantle the system within mainstream America. But yet these subgroups want us to give them, you know, our undying and blind support while they're allowing this type of shit to slip through. I can't do that. You, you understand, do you feel where I'm coming from there? Oh, I, I definitely feel, yeah, you, you shouldn't have to wait. We shouldn't have to wait for white feminism to get it right with black feminism. We shouldn't have to wait with, with the white atheist community, like, you know, like, well, we'll get to your problem, but first let's get to this uh, cross on the highway. You know, like, we shouldn't have to wait. You know, certain, there's certain things that's issues for us that's not issues for them, which is why you why you need a Black Lives Matter and why you need a you know, a black atheist uh, group. You know, remember, I remember that was a thing. Well, why do you have to be a black atheist group? See, that's the problem right exactly. there. What about egalitarianism? It's like egalitarianism don't include black people. So it's not, it's not that. <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. And they wanted us to take the black and the Latino and the Muslim and all of that stuff out. And, again, that's forced assimilation, just another – Another, you know, um, factor into colonialism. And, you know, and see, we talk about imperialism. We talk about fascism. We're talking about capitalism. And, you know, and what's happening now within a lot of these communities, because it's not just the secular, but, you know, LGBT and all of these other communities, they are capitalizing on these things. And, you know, what happens is even with the Black Lives Matter movement and the other movements that are out here, you have these so-called allies coming over, and they're trying to capitalize on it. And what's so interesting is they'll pick up buzzwords. They'll pick up certain things, certain words, have their T-shirt on, maybe show up to, you know, a rally or two. And then next thing you know, they're being paid five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 to go and speak for 30 minutes at some conference, whereas the black women and men, you know, whose words they have stolen, hell, you know, we're setting up GoFundMe for these people and sending them money because they're about to get evicted. But yet the white person who you thought was your friend, who you thought was your student, your mentee, and you're trying to guide them, and in some cases that's not even it. They come over to Twitter and steal all your words, and then they'll go and do a talk, and they get, and it's just, it's ridiculous, you know, and I mean, even with this little resistance thing, you know, again, another thing that they snatched from the black community, if you notice, all of these movements, how it starts out with, you know, maybe black and Latino people, you know, um, dealing with whatever issues, and then the next thing you know, 10 years later, it's been whitewashed, like, where did all these white people come from? Where did the black people go? You know, and, right. and and it happens, and I can't support that, and I'm not going to normalize that shit, and you're going to be mad at me for a long time if you really think I'm going to get out here and shuck and jive to make, you know, these people over here look good. You know, if you're not addressing the issue, there really is nothing for us to talk about. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and it's and it's amazing, but... You know, guy, like I said, you know, I'm proud of you. I really am. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a breath of fresh air. You know, as you say here, my journey away from religion toward atheism through hip-hop music, because it was with the hip-hop music that, that you started to question things or you heard a 
opinions and, and, and statements that were a little different, but they made you think. And see, and that's the thing. You know, we, we always talk about developing a critical thinking skills and, you know, trying to think outside the box or live outside the box. You know, we need to try to figure out who created the box and the barrel in the first damn place. You know what I mean? Right. And And opening your mind. And so, yeah, you've gone through this evolution. It's kind of like, like you said, it's kind of a breakup, but, you know, not so much a breakup that it's a clean break. It's just that you've moved on, but you still have that love for it in your heart. And you're still going to check, you know, check on it, keep an eye on it, participate every once in a while, but you're growing. And there are other areas of your life that you're developing, that you're building, and your responsibilities, you know, have changed. You know, during this time, the time that I've known you, you know, your your boy was a shorty. And then now he's yep. a big guy and you got a girl and you got married. Yep. So to see you yep. to see you progress, you know, like I told you, I'm really proud of you and you know if there's ever anything you need, you know, you just let me know. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. Thank you for this opportunity and you know, and at the end of the day, I wrote this book because I only want to be good, a good person in my community. I want a good life. And I want to be around good people. I want to be accepted. And those songs, you know, just kind of showed me that, I mean, my ideology is not necessarily accepted, but I'm still in my community I'm accepted. And I should help them. And hopefully they'll help me and, you know, maybe they'll, maybe they'll grow and see that, you know, I should be authentically myself, you know. And I just, I really opened right. up once again. I dedicated right. part of that book to you. And I really meant that, you know, you are my OG. You are you are one of the people, and it's mostly black women anyway, that just kind of really lifted me up. And, you know, I'm kind of a representative of you, you know, when I walk oh, in the street. Oh, that's you know, sweet. I've taken, so many, I've taken so much from you. And I need to thank Raina, too. Raina, I know, girl, you just, your tone and everything. <laughs> I know this is, this, is, this is straight patriarchy coming out of my mouth. And so... <laughs> all my toxic masculinity about to spill out. That tone, I hated her at first. Like, I mean, I thought she was just mad. I thought, I thought she was just going after people. It, it was personal. And, you know, like, it reminded me of my mom. It reminded me of my mom in that, you know, I used to uh, I used to want to ask her to stop talking to the game banker. She's like, well, you know, I got to tell these people something or they ain't going to know. You know what I'm saying? If you just And that's right. what Raina was doing. Raina was speaking her mind, speaking – this is this is how she sees the world. You know, she has this this way of, of thinking about it. And it's like, you know, she right, you know, for me. You know, like, I, I agree with her opinion, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, like, right. the way she comes across is like part of the show now. You know what I'm saying? I don't care. That's her. I need to accept her for being authentically herself. Just like I would want her set for myself, you know, if I ever met her. You know what I'm saying? But it's like I know her exactly. from the show. You know, whenever she comes back, I, I look forward to it. You know, I don't, I don't pay attention to the tone. I pay attention to what she's saying. And she got the right to be goddamn mad because, you know, it's a lot of people <laughs> being bigoted out here. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I need to be more mad. I mean, seriously. Oh, and one more thing, Kim. That's the one thing that I regret about mm-hmm. this book. I didn't have any female MCs in this book. And um, and the reason why, I was going to put Lauren Hill, forgive them, God, forgive them, Father, um, on a on a miseducation album. But... It, mm-hmm. it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. It didn't resonate with how I was writing the book, so I didn't put it in. 
and I, I, I wish I wish that I had a female MC because I love female MCs, and just uh, and just women are. I, I wrote part in I wrote part of a book uh, called Stumping Into the Nineties about how men, how the gangster rap music kind of they 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 talked about racism and stuff like that and white supremacy, but they threw black women under the bus, you know, on the side, exactly. and they raping them, they fucking them, they smacking them upside the head, bitches ain't shit, and all that stuff, and. I get it, you know, like some in this patriarchy world, patriarchal world, you would think that bitches ain't shit, you know, like you, certain type of women or whatever. That's that thinking though, you know. But now I see right. what Dolores Tucker was talking about. Like you look back, it's like, oh, okay, you know, you know. Of course, I don't uh, want anybody to. Uh, I mean, I believe in the First Amendment, and you know, of, of course, I know the white people are talking about this big now, the First Amendment stuff. Yeah, but, but at the same time, you know. I feel like they didn't explore this social justice. Like they they just stopped at uh, black men getting beat. You know they didn't even talk about the white. Well, they did kind of talk about the uh, black girls getting beat. Uh, but it was more black men, and you know we don't talk about them getting raped by you know their boyfriend or their husbands and stuff like that. You know black women never really get a voice. So I apologize that song. I wanted to. You know, I had a, I had, a, I had the, uh, not the MC like the Lauren Hill, but you know, I couldn't get it in there. But I do want to read stories of Black women's stories of you know how hip hop affected them, and I encourage Black women to write their story because you see, I skipped it out. I skipped out on it. That's just like for my, I'm just I am who I am, and of course I got blinders on still. So I encourage Black women to write their story. You know, what inspired you with hip hop? Or call Kim, email Kim's page, you know what I'm saying? Talk about it. It might be someone out there that's a woman that has a similar story. And it's going to be totally different because it's a, from a different lens. So I definitely uh, encourage you guys to write that story. And, you know, and once again, thank you, Kim. Oh, anytime, Marcus. And, and the thing is, you can always write a companion book and specifically talk about women MC. So. Think about that, you know, maybe something, you know, again, like you said, put a little bit of Lauren Hill in there. Um, another group, you know, BWP, I don't know if you remember them, but Bitches With Problems. Bitches With Problems, Now, yeah. if you, yeah, BWP from California. If you go back and you look at the history of that group when they were doing the interviews and their debut, they were talking about how they started that group as a feminist, as a black feminist answer to all the misogyny and bullshit happening in, in hip-hop and rap music. So, you know, you have that. It's another, it's a girl group called Climax. You may remember them, Divas Need Love too, meeting yep. in the ladies' room. Yep. And, and that was also um, a feminist response to that, oh, you know, to the R&B culture. Mm-hmm. Salt and Pepper, none of your business. That's a that's kind of a feminist song right there. Yeah, exactly. You that song? Exactly. A, oh yeah, that was business. that was hot. Oh yeah, and and one of the women that's from Climax, her name was exactly, exactly. Um, Bernadette Cooper, you know, in the songs you would always hear her talking about her Cooper limousine, right? If you go uh, and right. do some research on her, yeah, do some research on her you'll see that she had been doing a one-woman show, you know, talking about feminism and, and why she started the group Climax and what it meant 
So if you want to do, a, you know, a woman companion, I said female earlier. I, I apologize. I'm trying not to use that word. But, a, you know, a companion book talking about women in hip-hop. So don't use female. You're going to piss off a lot of folks with that word, Marcus. Oh, yeah. But, you know, if I use female so, today, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had to, I had to make a conscious effort too. But yeah, you know, so I just you know wanted to throw those out there. Something for you to you know um, think about, and you know, yeah, it's a trip. I mean, even with Missy, you know, look at the you know the glass ceilings that she shattered, and I love me some Missy, you know, so. You know, even though there were some issues there, but, you know, she is one of the baddest, you know, women producers ever, you know, but, um, and it's hard. It's hard for women to make it in that business, and it's especially hard if you're a woman with a darker complexion. And so um, let me let me dial it back a little bit, you know, because it's like we got about 20 minutes left. And so I want to ask you some personal questions, just a couple of them, if you don't mind. Let's do it. All right. All right. How was your family's reception to your book? Uh, my family, uh, they everybody pretty much, um, they haven't said anything bad about it. Now, my, I know my mom, she, she, she wants to, she, she wants to share it with her friends, but she can't because, you know, she's a Christian. You know, and I, I told my right. mom, it's fine, you know, like, look, I, I understand, you know, you don't have to share this. And I said, me finishing this word, you know, she helped me, she helped me edit it. So don't, any, anybody of my mom's friends, don't get it. But uh, she helped me edit the book, you know, and she didn't know that I was going through these things. She read it and it's like, you know, I, I wish I've known this. I wish I've understood this. You know, and it helped me and her yeah. talk about some of the stuff. Uh, my sister she she's totally against it. I think you know she supports me, but she's totally against it. And I I get it. You know she she's she's kind of new into church and everything. And this makes church makes her feel good. You know, so I don't want to stop right. her from feeling good. You know, she really believes it. She's a good person in her community. I don't see her you know discriminating against people. So you know if this is what helps her get through the day, life is hard. You know, get through it That's that right. way. So you know, and I'm and once again, let me thank you. For, and I said this in, a, in my dedication to you that I, I think that you didn't uh, you, you encouraged me not to give up on religious people because that w- I would have did that with my, right. with my my mom and my and I can't give up on them because they're black women and they need me you know and I need them that's right. you know so that's right. so yeah I thank you for that also that's a big one that's a huge one uh, but yeah so yeah so it's like uh, my dad he he gives two shits about it, you know, like, oh, cool, you know, what's the dinner, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and, and funny, I have a lot of Christian friends. I get a lot of emails because I'm open. On, I, I have two Facebook pages, and I'm open on both pages, and I'm an atheist now. So it's like, really, I can combine them, but I just don't. Oh, wow. I, it's too much work. But, uh, but now I get so many emails <laughs> in my inbox about, you know, like, well, you know, want me to come to church with them and, you know, want to convert me to to Christian or Islam, and you know, I told him like, look, I'm your brother. If you if you need me to volunteer somewhere, that's what that's what we can do because we're not going to agree on this. I'm a I'm a on the darkened scale. I'm a weak atheist, you know, so I really don't care anymore if a God exists or not. You know, like, I mean, I kind of care, but I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just I don't. So, you know, like, let's get out here and do some work together, community and my community together. Your friends need some help. Cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
somebody need help moving. Let's do that. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, my friends have been uh, been buying a book, actually, and I thank them, you know, because, you know, that's going to be an atheist that's book right. in that Christian household with their kids. So, yeah, it's been pretty cool. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'm happy to hear that and that, you know, your mom helped you edit it. And, you know, your mom loves you, and I'm glad that you didn't give up on her and that you didn't give up on religious people. And, see, and that's the thing, because that's one of the toxic messages that I've seen, you know, peppered throughout the secular community. And I've always found it problematic. But as I began to read more, began to research more, began to get a better understanding as to why our communities are the way that they are because, you know, I used to get angry. I was angry with a lot of folks, but especially my mom. And I'm like, why did you do this? You know, this affected me here, and this took these opportunities away because you made that decision. But as I've gotten older and I've done the research, in most cases she really didn't have a choice and the choices she had were both fucked up, but she had to choose the least fucked up one. So, you know, you start looking at this and you get a better understanding, you know, and, and right. I believe this is just me and my opinion. But the more and more I studied, you know, atheism, humanism, and all of that, it actually made me a more compassionate person, um, you know, and, and it made me more understanding which was really interesting because at first, baby, we were going to battle, had that battle axe out. I've been banned from a number of blogs, you know, and I've gone back to apologize. But the thing is, is that it's made me more compassionate. It made me more understanding because, you know, you know, we'll talk about, you'll, you'll hear some white people say, well, why do you live in that area? Why can't you just come on out here and get a house over here? It's not that simple. You know, there was this right. thing called redlining. There was this thing called government-sponsored discrimination. They didn't want us in the lily white suburbs. And, and one of the things I tell people, whenever you go to a city, and especially if they have like a perimeter highway, the black people live inside the perimeter because inside the perimeter is the city. On the outskirts of the perimeter are the suburbs, and those are by white people. So you got all these white people surrounding the black people in the center. And even when you're driving, people will, you'll see those partitions up there. And I remember yep. when I was a little girl and I asked my mom, I'm like, why do they have all of this up? And she told me to hide the poverty. You know, and, and, and many black and Latinos, yeah, we're shepherded into certain communities, especially when the community has a lot of rental properties, and those rental properties are owned by wealthy white developers. And what's so different between then and now is, you know, they were just independent developers, you know, buying property and maybe a couple of corporations, but if people go back and look and see what happened in 2007 and 2008, these corporations are sitting on humongous portfolios of real estate, and the black wealth generated, black and Latino wealth generated for the communities over the last several generations was totally wiped out. 
in 2007 and 2008 is a little bit there, but not nearly as much. So, you know, that's why I tell people, go. Go out and read. Get a better understanding, you know, how that came about, you know, with the lily white suburbs surrounding the cities. You got to go back and read about FDR and the New Deal, you know, when Affirmative Action was White by Ira Katz Nelson. That's a good book to read to get a better understanding as to, you know, what happened. Do some research into urban planning. You know, it's like we're in the middle of this. We're living in this. We're angry about it, you know, and, and – and as a whole, you know, my opinion is I think the black community as a whole is depressed, you know, yep. and it's a shame. So. And then when you have right people, so. exactly, exactly. And sorry, I'm just talking. You go on ahead, Marcus. Tell us some stuff. No, what you no, want no, us no. To know? no, no, I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> this is part of the show. Kim, look, I've been listening to your show so long. When you're in that role, when you're in that mood and that role, you got to let you go because you're saying some good stuff. I mean, it's, it's Totally right. The FHA had a lot to do with a lot of stuff. Redlining, you know. Exactly. The New Deal. Yep. Redlining and Yep. And you and you people on on your podcast. You, you put out the books to read. Look, I, this is your thing. This is this is where you this is where you roll it right here. <laughs> Keep going. Oh yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. And you know when I read these books. And I find new stuff out, and I'm like, "Did you all know about? I didn't know about this. Why didn't anybody tell me about this?" You know. And so, um, you know, I mean, like I said, that's why I'm excited, you know, because you know, you know, I'm going back to school, PhD track, right? And um, hey, hey, yeah, you know, um, I have to write my thesis, so you know, master PhD track, and um. It's interesting, you know, because I already know what my thesis and my dissertation is going to be on. I just have to fine-tune it. And over the years, you know, I have to thank you and the listening audience and even my detractors because, you know, I got hate listeners coming on here, you know, trying to figure out what they can take back and run with. But you know what? I thank you guys because I've learned a lot you know, not only um, about human behavior, but I've learned, you know, I've learned how to love myself more. And what I mean by that is standing up for myself and not allowing people to take advantage of me. And, and I can only hope that, you know, the people that are out there, I hope you're growing. You know, and I'm hoping that you're loving not only yourself, but you're loving other people. And in addition to that, one of the things that, you know, I can say, like I said, I've become more compassionate, but I'm also starting to learn more and more on how, and and you know what, I'm very patient, you know, but when I go off, it's over. But, you know, I'm getting a better understanding as to why certain people behave certain ways. Because in some cases, they don't know any better. This is all they know how to do. All they know how to do is lash out. All they know how to do is lie. You know, all they know how to do is cheat and steal. You know, and so then you have to break it down and ask the question, why? What happened? You know, you don't have to steal food. You can go and have two, three, four servings if you want. Pack you up a Tupperware and take it home. 
You know, you can do that. You know, you you don't have to lie on me. Just tell me you didn't like when I said A, B, C, D, and E. You know, and and you know, and trying to get a better understanding, and you know, try while trying to get a better understanding of people, it allowed me to get a better understanding of myself. And you know, and I've learned how to love myself a lot more. So, you know, this journey, you know, this has been an evolution for all of us. And you know, the people that have allowed me to be a part of their lives. You know, whether you like me or not. You know, a lot of the shit that I put out here is the truth, and you know it. And, again, I, I'm i not expecting any emails, no notes, no none of that. You know, my thing is I just want to see your conversation grow. I just want to see you grow as a person. You know, I want to see these particular revolutions. You know, you're going to evolve. But when, you know, one of the things that I'll say in regards to a revolution is this. When I look at what I was like when I first finally accepted and openly declared myself an atheist, looking at where I was then and where I am now, you know, the answers that we're searching for, the communities and the love and all of that that we're searching for, and like you said, atheism in and of itself is not not enough. You know, what I found out, is that everything that I was looking for, everything I was trying to run out there and find and get, is all always been here. It's always been inside of me. I just had to figure out how to recognize it. How? Go ahead, honey. No, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was, I was saying the uh, oh, yeah. Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was always inside of me. You know, there were some things I had to learn how to harness and control. And there were some things I had to learn how to set free and, you know, encourage, you know, encourage, you know, being forced out of the comfort zone. And I've seen that, you know, those particular revolutions happening in your life. And, you know, like I said, I'm very proud of you. And, you know, I'm very fortunate to be able to call you a friend. You know, and, you know, your mama over there proud. Your mama proud of you. Yes, she is. She is. She just wanted to go. She, yeah. she just wanted me to go to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I got to the point, you know, with with different people in my life. You know, when they when they say they'll pray for me, I just say thank you. And if they say something and they expect me to say amen, I just go on ahead and and say it. And, you know, when they talk about religion and going to heaven and all of that, I just go ahead and listen and I smile because it's not really worth right. fighting with them. You know, you know I want to enjoy them now. You know, you want to enjoy right. them now. And if that's what gives them some semblance of peace and comfort, let them have it. Let them have it. You know, so that is where I am, I Mr. Marcus. Yes. Yes, yes. Oh, so Kim, tell I got me. A mm-hmm. Go ahead, babe. I have a suggestion. Can, can we, can we, can, one day, we're coming up on one of the shows in the future, can you go back into the uh, um, uh, little faction? I mean, you talked about it like a month ago. The white Christian. Uh, oh, white yeah, I'm not done with that. Yeah, no, I'm oh, not, not done yeah, with that yeah, at all. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, I need to pick it back up. 
because it's like, you know, I got so tired of, you know, of, of living in this damn reality show that I never wanted to participate right. in, and I'm not getting paid for it with this Trump thing. And one of the things that, you know, that's one of the reasons why I had to pull away, and I've been decompressing, you know, and I've been turning okay. the news off and actually watching TV, which is something I really don't do. I watch the news and a few shows, but otherwise, no. But, um, yeah, you know, it's like Christianity, and basically with the election of Donald Trump, Christianity has been turned into a political party. And I need to talk about that, you know, from the white Christian perspective and what we're seeing and what they're doing. But, yeah, they've turned Christianity into a political platform, into a political party, and that is what we're living in now. And the thing with Donald Trump is, you know, before he was elected, me and Raymond were going off on this show telling people to stop laughing. And they were, oh, he's not going to win anything, and then he won it all. But see, what pisses me off, and, you know, I kind of had to take a break and walk away, is that some of those same people who were laughing through the election and he won, they're still laughing now. They need to stop laughing at him now. No, no, no. And I'm like, people aren't paying attention to the little bills that are being passed, and now they want to repeal Obamacare with no plan in sight, no real plan in sight as to how they're going to afford Americans to have health care at affordable rates. They just want to take Obamacare away, and all they're trying to do is totally destroy his legacy. Now, mind you, those over there, don't be rolling your eyes. I had major problems with Barack Obama. So it's not about giving him a pass or anything, but it's, it's, it's about us being sucked into this fucking vortex, and people are thinking it's funny, and I'm, like, trying to figure out what is it going to take to get the American people out, out in the street. And we've always said, you know, they'll be out there when a Big Mac is 20 bucks and they can't afford to take their kids to McDonald's, you know. And so I'm just sitting back and I'm watching, you know, with what's happening now with the economy, you know, when Barack Obama was in office, you know, we were on a false economy. We're still on that bubble right now because people got to remember they were printing money like crazy in order to pull us out of that great recession. We were really in a depression, but, you know, they built a false economy, this bubble that we're sitting on, and it's about time for it to pop. And so I just want people to pay attention, to be careful, and, you know, reading some of the articles and looking around and, you know, reading some of the op-eds from some of the economists, oh, yeah, some shit about to go down. And I kind of expect it to happen by October 1st. So, you know, um, I just tell people to look around and to pay attention and, you know, I've been getting into cryptocurrency lately, so I'm doing a lot of um, research yeah. on that. But, um, yeah, so, you know, anyway, baby, we're down to the last minute. And, you know, people, stop laughing at that idiot. You know, President Bannon got way too much going on, and what he's doing is distracting you. So, you know, don't right. let him continue to distract you. But, Marcus, my darling, I love you, baby. Congratulations. You know, Thank you. yeah, I know. I know. I'm going to buy a bunch of these books and I'm going to give them away. That's, you, but you know, that's what I do anyway. So, you know, I've given Thank away other much. books from people, but I'm, 
Oh yeah, I'm gonna buy a bunch and you know hand them out and give them the give them away. But I'm proud of you and keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. You know what you did is you took a step definitely out of your your comfort zone and you're standing tall. And this is what you believe, and this is how you feel. You know, and and you let know, it, I you know what I take my hat off to you. Yeah, you gotta let go. So you know what you yep. already said something to the young people because I always ask the guests to say something to the young people. What would you just like to say in general? What would you like to be remembered for? Ah, uh, what I would like to be remembered for, you know, well, to the young people, you know, you, you gotta, you, you're gonna suffer, you're gonna suffer but it's going to give you the story to tell when you come out of it. You know, there's no way your parents are going to be able to save you. You know, there's going to be things you're going to have to go through to make you better. And as you can see in this conversation, my book, you know, has made me, you've seen my growth from just talking. And Kim can even attest to that, that I grew. And Kim grew through the suffering that she had to go through. She's a better person now. Right. She, and she understands herself more and what she's willing to accept and not to accept anymore. And that's part of growth. So, you know, if you are a Christian or a Muslim or anything and, you know, you feel like you want to come out, then go find people that's close to you. On these, go online. Find people. There's people out there for you. Everybody ain't for you, though. But, you know, definitely go out. You know what I'm saying? Find you a mentor, like I found with, with Kim Bill, you know? Like, and <laughs> all I really have to say, you know, you need to be on WVON, by the way. I'm trying to, I'm trying to uh, talk people into this now. I need you on WVON in oh. Chicago, you know. Oh, Charlie, you know voice. that will be on and popping. Oh, we need your voice in the atheist oh, yeah, community, I, too. Just, just, we need that voice, too, you know, in the black atheist community. Well, so, you, you know, there you so. go. Yeah, honey. But, no, thank you. You know, hey, you know, let me know. They want me to pop up. I'll pop up. We'll do a show and go from there. It'll be on and popping. Because people will be calling in just to throw scripture at me, and then when I correct them and put it in context, then they'll be really upset. That's so funny. But, <laughs> but yeah, you know, like I said, you know, um, I've seen your growth, and I've seen where you've come from from 2011 to today. And, like I said, upstanding, talented, dynamic young man, and I – see a you know a brighter future for you and and the fact that you wrote this for your daughter and I've seen you embrace a lot of feminist um um material as well as you've changed a lot of your your thought process you know you kind of started factoring a lot of the patriarchy out it takes time and it's not easy but the minute when you knew you were having a little girl you started looking at it from her perspective and looking at it from the perspective that you wanted her to have a good life you wanted her to have opportunities that are not necessarily normally afforded to her just because she's a woman you know what I mean so you know, you've right. done a lot. You've done a lot. Just continue to grow. I want to encourage you to do that. And, you know, I got you. I'm out here. Thanks. I'm with you. I support you. And, um, you know, we got to do lunch soon. For sure. It's on me. All right now. So a good lunch. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. 
Yeah, my darling. Well, look, you give the babies a hug and a kiss. You know, tell the missus hello. And like I said, I'm going to push this book. And, you know, we'll talk about a few things offline. But, yeah, thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you for the words of encouragement to the listeners and the young people. And, And also, you know, again, you know, the people that are listening, you know, this is what I mean when I say I want to see the fruit that you yield from, you know, from from what I have been plowing and, and, and growing and cultivating and nur- nurturing over the years. You know, look at this. This is growth. He's his own tree now. You know, you know and so, yeah. you know, it's just, it's amazing. So, and you're amazing. And Mr. Marcus, on that note, we're getting ready to head out. Um, guys, go out and buy the book, What's a God to a Non-Believer, My Journey Away from Religion Toward Atheism Through Hip Hop. You can find it on Amazon. You can click the link in the show notes. Um, are you setting it up for Kindle download? Uh, well, I have that up next. I have that up like next month because they, they want a lot of money. They want some money for it and all this stuff. So I got to get that. I, I got to okay, get okay. that settled, though. So. Oh, yeah, no, we'll figure it out, you know, because I want to make sure people, yeah, if people wanted to get the Kindle, I just wanted to let them know, you know, maybe a month or two away and it would be available. But, yeah, go out and buy the book. It's 12 bucks. you know, that's what, two cups of coffee from Starbucks. So go on (laughs) and go out and buy this book and stop by and leave, you know, Andrew Dufresne's a note. On on Facebook and congratulations, my darling. Thank you very much, Kim. All right, so we're out of here. This is Kim of Black Free Thinkers, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. Have a good Sunday evening, everybody. Good night. Peace.